reading of the Scriptures from Acts chapter 6, reading verses 8 to 15. I invite your hearing of God's Word, hearing in faith and also uh, with joy that we do have uh, in Scripture the very words of the living God. Acts chapter 6. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Uh, when I was uh, a young uh, soldier in the army, you were continually going to classes. That's what you did kind of repeatedly for a considerable period of time. And generally, the classes would always start out with a practical demonstration. Someone would show you how to do something. Like, uh, here's how you break down an M14. M60 machine gun. And then you would have to do it. So it was, again, practical demonstration. And that's really what we have this, here this morning uh, in uh, Stephen. Uh, he's going to persevere in witness, in act, and in content. He's showing us how we're to live our lives in terms of uh, the witness that we, uh, we take to the world. Uh, and it is... Uh, a radical witness that is uh, upsetting uh, old Israel, so much so that it will uh, end in tribulation. Uh, we all know what's going to happen to Stephen, even though we're not there yet. So he brings a witness. It clashes with old Israel, uh, and it uh, causes uh, tribulation. And we should watch him go through it, because it is... Uh, uh, immediately applicable to all of us. Uh, more importantly, as you ponder the practical demonstration of Stephen, you learn something quite remarkable. Namely, uh, it looks just like the ministry of Jesus. So Stephen got the practical demonstration of uh, the Savior. Uh, so that it's uh, much more than just historic narrative. Uh, it uh, connects us, uh, larger context, to the witness of Christ, uh, to the witness of the prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, and it reminds us uh, that Jesus uh, comes to us as the new Israel. Uh, Isaiah 49.3, uh, the Father says to the Son, You are my servant Israel. He calls Jesus Israel. And start, uh, Christ is the beginning of the new and greater Israel. Uh, he dispatches the Spirit who inaugurates the end times. It's the point of Acts chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Go to Jerusalem, and there I'm going to send my Spirit. 
And that spirit becomes this powerful, energizing force of uh, end-time witness. Uh, and he gathers his people, interestingly enough, uh, in demonstration of power as uh, the new Israel. Uh, Isaiah 43.10, uh, that uh, Luke alludes to in Acts 1.8, uh, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And uh, just like Stephen, uh, he demonstrates that he inaugurates the end time tribulation. So in all of these things, uh, Christ is the uh, ultimate practical demonstration of Christian witness. I mean, think about Christ persevering through tribulation. Uh, Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6, I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out my beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb uh, led to the slaughter, was our Savior. Uh, Isaiah 53, 8, by oppression and judgment he was taken away. Isaiah 53, 9, he, he was slaughtered uh, with wicked men. Uh, and yet there was no deceit found in his mouth. So Christ lives it and Stephen goes to school. Practical demonstration. Uh, and we should learn from it because we're to persevere in the same witness, both in act and in content. Uh, Stephen's story is Christ's story. And therefore it's also our story. Uh, Stephen, as you know, is the first to fatality post-Pentecost uh, and has uh, considerable parallels to the life of Jesus and uh, Jesus' ministry. Uh, we know from Stephen's life, because he learned it from our Lord, that the opposition is intensifying. Uh, the apostles, as you know, in Acts chapter 4, were warned to stop their witness. They refused. Then they are flogged to prevent witness. That doesn't stop them. Like Jesus, uh, uh, they refuse to compromise in witness, uh, both in act and in content. And Stephen will too, telling us that we must too. Uh, the old order is uh, represented by the synagogue of the freedmen. Uh, these were uh, Jewish slaves who had uh, been set free and they clash with Stephen's witness. So in verse 9, they, they rise up and uh, argue with him. Uh, first, uh, they accuse him of blasphemy against Moses and God, verse 11. Interesting charge, is it not? Matthew 26, 65, that's exactly what they accuse Jesus of. Uh, he is blasphemed. Uh, what further witness do we need? And it sets in motion the intensity of the end time tribulation in his crucifixion. Uh, it's perhaps related to uh, the charge uh, of Jesus that he came to fulfill the law and in effect to displace Moses. Uh, Matthew 5.17, I came to fulfill the law. Uh, I love uh, really the particular application of that uh, in the beautiful text of John 1.17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. 
So they stirred up the people. In verse 12, and they lead Stephen to the Sanhedrin and they put forward false witnesses. Have we seen that before? Indeed we have. The parallels to the life of Jesus in His own trial cannot be overlooked. He too was charged before the Sanhedrin on the basis of false witnesses. Mark 14.57 Stephen's been going to school. So should we. Secondly, they charged Stephen with continually speaking against the holy temple and the law. Verse 13. Again, the parallels with the life and ministry of Jesus are remarkable. Uh, Matthew 26.61 This man stated that I am able to destroy the temple of God and raise it up in three days. They missed the fact that it was a reference to His resurrection. That He is the end time temple in His resurrected life. But again, it's the same charge that they bring against Stephen. Uh, you and I know that in reality, Jesus fulfilled all of the ceremonial law, therefore putting to an end the entire cultus of Israel and displacing the high priest and himself. One of the reasons they were so angry at him, he's overturning the old order because he is the new order. And you and I are, in like manner, members of the new order. Uh, Jesus displaces the physical temple with Himself. Uh, again, the author of the book of Hebrews uh, reminds us of uh, these truths repeatedly. Uh, that He uh, holds His priesthood permanently. Uh, that He is able to save forever those who draw near to God through Him. That He was a minister in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle, as a high priest of the greater things to come. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, He offered one sacrifice for sin. Verse 14, For by one offering He has perfected for all times those who are sanctified. Uh, that's one of the reasons they did not like the ministry of Stephen, and certainly it's a reason they did not like the ministry of Jesus. Because He's overturning the old by the perfections of the majesty and the greatness and infinite dignity of who He was as the Son of the living God. And the old is breaking in, pushing aside by the majesty of Christ. Uh, so Stephen is uh, telling the Sanhedrin that they should leave the old and draw near to Christ who is the new. And they become furious at him because he's uh, a member of the new overturning the old, shoving it out of the way. Now, by the way, it's a lesson that uh, should not be uh, missed by all of us because it's the same today. This is an ongoing message. We watch Christ demonstrate it. We watch Stephen demonstrate it. What does it mean to us? False teaching, false religion must be rejected. We must leave it. We cannot tolerate it. We cannot compromise with it because that uh, puts us in a line of the new order that we watch Stephen as well as our Savior accomplish. Uh, in our own culture, false teaching is everywhere. 
Uh, it beckons us to come. It beckons us to follow it. It beckons us to tolerate it. Uh, what would Stephen do? Reject it. What would Jesus do? Reject it. Because we're members of the new order in Christ. And the clash here will eventuate in death and the greatest of all parallels with our Lord, uh, with the exception of uh, redemption. Uh, Stephen will be martyred for the faith uh, because Christ uh, was the redemptive martyr, setting in motion uh, the fullness and completeness of our uh, perpetual forgiveness. So, what we're watching in Stephen in this practical demonstration is that his end-time witness will persevere in tribulation. He won't compromise. He won't give in. He learns that from the apostles who learned it from Jesus. The ultimate, if you will, in a practical demonstration of how we must be faithful to the end. In fact, if you turn to Matthew chapter 24, uh, verses 9 to 13, uh, this is uh, exactly uh, the teaching uh, of our Savior uh, that He gives to us. Again, Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to read verses 9 to 13. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all the nations on account of my name. And at that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end is he who shall be saved. It's not that we save ourselves by persevering in the faith, but we give true demonstration that we belong to the new. And what does the new do? It perseveres in the faith to the end in the midst of false teachers, in the midst of evil civil government, and whatever tribulation they bring upon us. That's the lesson of Stephen. It's the lesson of Jesus. Uh, it must not be missed by us because it is our life as well. And this too is a remarkable parallel with our Lord, is it not? He was faithful to death. Uh, turn with me uh, to the uh, book of the Revelation uh, Explicit reminders of this. Uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and rulers of the kings of the earth. But notice the ascription, the accolade, faithful witness. How do we know He was faithful witness? Because He was crucified upon the cross and He uh, would not compromise with the false teachers. Uh, this accolade is picked up in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 13 of, of a man who has learned what a faithful witness is, Antipas. You hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one who was killed among you. Life of the church uh, to follow in the path of Jesus the faithful witness, to persevere against error, against uh, tribulation, against false teachers, 
and of course against evil civil government that aligns with false religion. So it's a reminder that uh, the calling of Stephen uh, is a lesson to all of us uh, that we are to persevere in faithful witness both in act and in content. So how do we do this? I mean, it's really the underlying question. Uh, well, uh, I get the practical demonstration. I do what Stephen did. I do what Jesus did. But, man, that's awful difficult. How do I, how do, I do that? How can I achieve such a great thing? Uh, and that brings us uh, to the greater reality that end-time witness is infused with the grace of God. Absent the grace of God, none of us are able. Absent the grace of God, all of us would fall away. It's the majesty of the greatness of God. He infuses us with grace. Now notice, just a very quick lesson here. Uh, I would never use the word infusion with respect to justification. Uh, because in justification, grace is imputed to us. Here in the Christian life, grace is infused to empower us in faithful witness, both in act and in content. So the greater reality is what enables Stephen is the grace of God. Uh, let's look at this. Uh, first, uh, Luke tells us that he is full of the Spirit and wisdom. Acts chapter 6 and verse 3. The Spirit fills him with enabling power. Uh, the Spirit, as you know, is a gift from God. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Secondly, he is full of faith in the Holy Spirit, verse 5 of chapter 6. Stephen was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Full of faith and Holy Spirit. You and I know that uh, faith is a gift from God. Uh, we don't conjure it uh, uh, within our fallen nature. God gives it to us. It's grace. You believe because God gifted you. Uh, one of the great lessons of faith is uh, taught to us by the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God gives to us grace. He also gives to us the Scripture that teaches us about faith, how to live and act and how to persevere in the faith. Uh, thirdly, another reference, Stephen is full of grace and power, verse 8. We began our text with that this morning. Stephen, full of grace and power. He's going to become the first martyr because he was full of grace and power. Uh, reminder that you and I can persevere in faithful witness and act in content because God gifts us with grace and power. If at any moment He took His, His grace and power away from us, none of us would persevere. All of us would fall away. Uh, but... Uh, because of grace and power, He is with us to the end. It's the uh, indication of the ability to uh, withstand their assault. So Stephen is not alone, is he? The grace of God and the power of God is with him. And grace is God's gift to that end. It's a beautiful illustration of this, is there not, in the life of the Apostle Paul? Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, Paul is uh, wilting, as sometimes all of us do. Uh, he asks God to uh, take a test away from him. Uh, and God tells him what? 
My grace is sufficient for you. Who knows what uh, the form of the end time tribulation might take in the future of our own country. Uh, we know that it's begun certainly in false teaching. Uh, it's outworking certainly will run its course. Uh, God's grace is always sufficient for every day of testing. We must never forget that. It's a lesson that uh, comes uh, to us everywhere from Scripture. And that's precisely the reason that Stephen does not wilt because of the grace and power of God. A wonderful reminder that God calls us to be faithful and then He equips us with everything that we need to live such a life in His grace and power. And power is the divine ability to persevere. Men often will. Stephen does not because God gives him power. A beautiful illustration of this in the life of the apostles, Acts chapter 4, in verse 33. And with great power the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. Yes, those men were great. Yes, they were persevering. What was the cause? The grace of God was upon them. It's the same in your life. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, you know immediately that you will encounter many trials in life. You will come through them because the grace of God is upon you. God gifts His sons and His daughters with sufficient grace for every trial, including persevering in the midst of false witness. Fourth, the synagogue is not able to withstand or resist His wisdom in the Spirit. Uh, verse 10 of Acts chapter 6. This is really a beautiful text. And yet they were unable to cope with His wisdom and the Spirit with which He was speaking. It happens because the Spirit was with them. The same Spirit that uh, uh, is ours uh, because we know the Savior. It's clear that the Spirit was upon Stephen. It's also clear, should be clear, that He's upon us as well. Uh, this is an illustration, by the way, of, of Luke chapter 21 uh, in verse 15. Uh, Jesus is uh, telling His uh, disciples, and through the disciples He's telling us, for I will give you utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. It's exactly what we're looking at in the life of Stephen. The synagogue cannot withstand the power of his words and his utterance because the Spirit is with him. Uh, notice verse 19. By your perseverance you will win your soul. Uh, just an illustration. It's not a cause-effect. Uh, our souls are won by uh, the grace of God and the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. But the outworking of it in the gift of the Spirit is to persevere in faithful witness. It's an expression, true expression, that we belong, not to the old order, which is passing away, but to the new. And this too, remarkably so, is a beautiful illustration of uh, the life of our Savior. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Luke uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 40. 
And the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. The majesty of the gifts of the grace of God. Just that God gives it to us. And that's the key to persevering, the grace of God. It's really the key to the entire Christian life, the grace of God that gives us new hearts, takes away the old and gives us new. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. God is simply gracious and merciful and gives us what is new. It's interesting to uh, ponder this uh, concept of uh, wisdom with which uh, Stephen is refuting the synagogue. That's a skill. It's a gift from God. Let's uh, document this from the great prophet Daniel. If you turn, you would in your Old Testament. Uh, Daniel chapter 1. This is really a remarkable story of uh, faithful men caught in a violent culture that's trying to destroy their faith. Uh, you know it comes from the upheaval of the Babylonian captivity. Daniel and his colleagues are drafted to serve the uh, emperor as his religious advisors, but they must reject their god. They must come to know the uh, god of Babylon, Marduk, and uh, uh, they must uh, serve him. And so the emperor sends Daniel and his colleagues to a re-education and indoctrination camp to teach them to reject what was theirs by the grace of God and to adopt which is new, namely the false religion of Babylon. They're given new names, reflecting their new identity as followers of the gods of Babylon. They're offered food and drink in violation of their own dietary laws uh, and, of course, to violate the commandment uh, to reject false gods. Great illustration of life today as a Christian. The contemporary world is attempting to indoctrinate us in uh, what is false. The contemporary culture sometimes sweeps into churches uh, and carries people away uh, to indoctrinate in new ways and new truths. But you and I know that there's nothing new. Uh, and uh, we should learn from Daniel. So how does Daniel survive the intensity of this re-education camp? Let's look at uh, Daniel chapter 1 and verse 9. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. God gives something to Daniel. The grace of God withholding Daniel in the midst of the camp that he would be a faithful witness. For whatever reason, he causes the heart of the, of the, uh, of the man referenced in verse 9, the commander of the officials, to have compassion upon Daniel. That God can change hearts. And God did. And that was key to Daniel surviving. Let's look at uh, verse 17. As for these four youths, God gave them 
Notice again, God gives to his sons and daughters. This error everywhere. How do we survive? The grace of God. God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. And Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. I'll leave that aside for a different measure, just simply stressing that Daniel and his colleagues were able to survive because God gave them knowledge and wisdom and skill to navigate the re-education and indoctrination camps of Babylonian culture. Remarkable that we should go to school on these men and we should praise God every day because He gives to us His Son, Jesus Christ, and His redemptive work. He gives to us the Holy Spirit to the end that we would persevere in faithful witness both in act and in content. That he enables us by his divine power to navigate and overcome whatever threats there are in our future lives. A beautiful illustration of this in their nod in Daniel's first trial. Uh, Notice how he overcomes it. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 20. Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belongs to him, and he gives it to his sons and daughters. You and I know that in terms of the Scriptures, in terms of the illuminating power of the Spirit of God that we might understand and grow. Verse 23, To Thee, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for Thou hast given me wisdom and power. Daniel knew it for what it was. That God gave him wisdom and power. I would remind you, if you're a son by faith in Jesus Christ, God gives you through the Scriptures knowledge, understanding. If you're a son by saving faith in Jesus Christ and by the power of His grace to give you eyes to see and a heart to know and ears to hear, God will give you the power of the Spirit of God for whatever trial awaits you. That we're looking at the practical demonstration of what? Stephen, the apostles, Christ, Daniel. In it all is the grace of God. If there were any other venue, none of us would survive. But because we belong by the grace of God to the new, God equips us wisdom, knowledge, power, and by the power, of course, of the Spirit of God. So that God is the giver. And the outcome is perseverance and witness. Never lose sight of the fact, regardless of the exigencies of the time you may face in your own future, God is always the giver. His grace is always sufficient. And lastly, Stephen's appearance is changed by reflecting the divine presence. This is a beautiful reminder of the the majesty of the grace of God. Uh, Notice Stephen's uh, presence in Acts 6.15. And fixing their gaze on him, all were sitting, and the council saw his face, 
like the face of an angel. Uh, the angel, of course, is a messenger of the court of God. Uh, they shine reflecting the majesty of the glory of God. Conceptual parallel here to Moses in Exodus 34. On the mountain, meeting with God, his appearance has changed. Uh, another reference uh, uh, might be an allusion to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3 that uh, we shine like the majesty of the created order, uh, reflecting the glory of God. Uh, the divine presence breaking upon Stephen. The divine presence that breaks upon all of us, changing our countenance. Stephen is transformed. It's an anointing for the trial to come. And Jesus will be with him. Just like he's with us. With you to the end. Promise. In every trial. With us to the end. So we must witness to the end. Jesus did. Stephen will. And God gives us with his presence uh, to secure that very end in our lives. It's a story that duty apprehends it and sovereign grace makes it happen. And so, learn from Stephen's practical demonstration because it's our story too. And uh, grace uh, will make it so. Another way that uh, God equips us is in uh, His special presence, the power of the Spirit of God in the sacraments of the church. Uh, we will engage a sacrament.